All right, guys, welcome to podcast number 28, live from NXT 2015 East Coast. To my left, the Brown, the Kevin. The KB. The KB. Say hello. Loop. Hello. Puff Daddy. To his left, of course, the Rose. The, road the, mis- the, the, the Rose. The Rose missing the bud. The Rose. Jason Rose, say hello. From uh, Rupa's USA. That's right. We'll talk. We're going to get into that. Oh, okay. Jason Sorry. Rosini. Hi. Rosini, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> He's now Italian. And of course, Stupaloops right in front of me. Stupaloops, the is professor. That right? Professor Stupaloops, and I don't care for it, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one from the professor to Stupaloops. I'm yes. not sure I got the demotion. But uh, I came up with that on the fly. Thank you. Yeah. All right, so we're going to talk about a couple of different topics. Uh, and as you click down the podcast, you probably are looking at the words uh, "you've polished wrong." Now we're going to have a video coming out with Kevin Brown and myself talking about. Uh, directional polishing, and, and there might be a, a different or a better way. So we're going to bounce off those topics. And then, of course, we're talking about Italy going to uh, Milan. Milano? Milan? Milano? I don't know. Milan. It depends on whether you're American or not. Uh, Milan, yeah. American. <laughs> and then if I choose to be Italian today, it's Milano. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you like that? <laughs> so we'll talk about that trip. Uh, I flew out there to see uh, Rupes. Rupes? Rupes. Rupes. As opposed to rupees and rupees and rupees, I think they roll their R's a little bit more in yes. Italy, but that's fine. So we'll talk about that, and uh, of course at NXT 2015, uh, watching Kevin Brown blow our minds with his polishing wizardry, uh, we'll go over that because I have a little bit of frustration, a little bones, a few bones to pick with you. I can't, I can't have Kevin Brown standing next to me all day long polishing cars when I make a mistake. So I got to figure something out. <laughs> 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 all right, so Jason Rose, sir. Apparently, you have some news, and I don't think anyone is, knows anything about it. <laughs> and this is the first <laughs> release of uh, this big news. I think people know. They do? Yeah. You're pregnant. I was just about <laughs> to say that. That's just about to say. Am I showing? <laughs> well, you're showing. It's so. the attitude. We, did, we didn't want to tell you. It's the hormone shifts, I think, is getting to me. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, change companies. I'm, I'm really happy and uh, moved to Denver, so it's really big changes in my life, but um, it's it's all pretty cool. Wow, that was that was great. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. <for laughs> that. Really well, I didn't think you ex- wanted to make a podcast out of it. Yeah, I, I want to know your inner your, your inner thoughts. All right, so I got uh, a wonderful invitation to go to Italy to the Rupes. That was really cool. That was very cool. So the the goal was that you and I would be on a a plane together, which I think the uh, FAA disagreed or whoever. <laughs> whoever disagreed, so we the didn't get the going. The gods disagreed. Yeah, disagreed. So we uh, actually met in um, Italy and went to Milan. So uh, we stayed in a very uh, very Italian area. This, yeah. this all sounds wonderful. Which is shocking. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's new. <laughs> yes, it's very Italian. We took separate planes and met in Milan. We held hands. and we, I mean, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I got to tour the factory at the Rupes, and it is a lot bigger than you would think. Um, I don't even know what uh, square footage or whatever. Yeah, I don't know either. But that was one thing that struck me. I, you know, I'm not sure what exactly I expected, but when I got there, it just blew me away how how big and how technologically advanced all the production was, and um, it just blew me away. I was really impressed. Yeah, it it was more of a compound, believe it or not. There was like multiple. It wasn't one building. There was yeah. multiple buildings within the buildings. There was multiple sections 
you know, delineating like this tool and that yeah, tool. Yeah, they do produce the pneumatics over here. They produce the electrics over there. They do, you know, buffing pads and over here. And then there were backing plates over there. So they, they make it hard to steal a whole machine oh. part by part. <laughs> I got <gotcha>. you. <laughs> oh, yes. And, and you came up quite often there. Well, oh, we'll yeah, I'm that. sure. Uh, yeah. I'm sure. There was, there was actually a big picture of you on the wall, but the problem is I had a huge X through the face. I think oh, there was a padded room where you go in and scream <laughs> things about me and hate. They have, they have washers over his eyes. Yeah, that's yeah. true. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know what all those darts were about. Yeah. 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 yeah, so the interesting thing is when you walk in, there's actually a museum. So I didn't, you know, when you think of Rupes, you know, we have a very microscopic view of that company. Just from the outsider, you say, oh, yeah, they make detailing tools. Oh, that's cool. Well, rock on. But when you walk in there, there's a museum. They've been, they've been making, what was it, 1955? I'm quizzing you. 1947. Ooh, look at that guy right on the ball there. 1947, they started making tools. And so, you know, polishers and, uh, you know, what would you consider it? More like woodworking or industrial? Yeah, more industrial um, woodworking, but um, it's fascinating. If you look at the history, they were the first one to come out with a palm sander. You know, I mean, palm sander is pretty... Pretty ubiquitous, yeah. Yeah, for even consumers, you know, who, you know, everybody uses a palm sander, but but they actually introduced the very first palm sander. Yeah, so that was a little, uh, that took me back that, you know, I just thought they were a detailing tool, and then you realize that they're, they're doing a lot more um, and been around for so long. So we uh, basically we got the tour, and then as you walk through, you can see that there is rows, I mean, just almost like miles long, you know, long worth of, worth of rows, and that's when you came up because uh, I was walking through and I saw a bunch of washers and I was like, I didn't think you guys even had these in, in the country. <laughs> no, the washers are. <laughs> yeah. Do, do ever, does everyone out there listening understand the joke? I, I don't know. Maybe explain a little bit more. So there's the, the controversy of, of putting a washer in the, in the Rupes. I'm not going there. I'm going to let you right. answer so this. Yeah, <laughs> basically, I made a very slight <laughs> modification, creating a gap between two parts that are supposed to rub together. And now they don't. And it, it's not controversial to me, but. Well, it, it was a big design shift, and anyway, it's working out pretty good on my end, and, and I'm so still weird. a dealer, so that's nice. Jason just got up and went to the bathroom, ironically. Yeah, he had, really yeah. I he cannot had be involved in this. I know nothing. Yeah, interesting how attitudes change. <laughs> and so part of the video that you'll see, there's a huge video, by the way, everyone listening, coming out uh, about the, my trip there. And part of the trip is that we didn't have the camera running. It for this one thing, and he's like, "Oh, you know," I was like, "Just give me the tour, and let's just have a conversation." Remember, I didn't have the camera, and then yeah. I was like, "This is stupid. I got to go get the camera. This is too good. It's too yeah. original." So he's walking by, and then he walks over to this long row, and he goes, he pulls out a drawer really hard, and <laughs> thing opens up, and he reaches in, and he pulls out a thing, and he shakes his head and goes, "Kevin Brown." <laughs> that. And I was like, "Wait, do, do it again. Do it again." <laughs> put it on. Put it on film. So I got it on film. He walked by, and he's shaking nice. his head like, "No, no." That's funny. I, I think that the the best way to wrap it up is. Uh, a well-known detailer once wrote on a Facebook group that never has he heard the words, quote, I sure am glad I took that washer out, unquote. <laughs> <laughs> I think that sums it up pretty good. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I haven't actually, I haven't read that anywhere. Have you? I, I, I refuse to answer on the grounds of being <laughs> someone. I don't know. Yeah, so what else did we do? We went to Milan for a little while. That was kind of cool. We saw the, the, you know, what are they, rivers or whatever, canals. Yeah. So that was kind of fun. <laughs> Rivers or whatever. It was <laughs> exciting for me. Very, very American right there. Yeah, yeah the, the pipeline is really full. Um, you know, with the Rupes company, they're coming out with new products, and that's going to be very exciting for detailers in the next year or so. That, that's all we can give? That's all the teaser I can give you right now. So there's some cool stuff coming out, potentially maybe seeing it 
at some point, uh, some big shows some in November yeah, in Las Vegas. Show later this but year. you're allowed to say SEMA. You're just not allowed to say what they're bringing to no, SEMA. I just said Las Vegas. That's all. <laughs> Is it, you had to say SEMA. I mean, ma- maybe, maybe, SEMA. maybe there's another show. Everybody loves SEMA. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, uh, it was a good time. Um, and now we're back here. Are we allowed to say where we are? What state we're in? I didn't we're give you a address. Maryland. We're in Maryland. We're in Maryland. Yeah. All right. So usually we do our podcasts, uh, and we're on the the left coast, but now we're on the east coast. So I got to drive, and you guys got to fly. So <laughs> to you, right? And we're here in an amazing facility that will remain undisclosed. But there's probably fifty plus cars that are all ridiculous. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty eclectic mix of cars too. From I mean, lots of classic European to some American muscle and some modern supercar stuff too. Yeah. This is. Clearly something he's been working on for a long time. So anyways, we're here. We're doing NXT 2015. And uh, going. And that's going really well. I'm, uh, I'm very excited. Aren't you, Kevin? Yeah, this is awesome. I'm, I've had a great time. Yeah. We've got more to do today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're in a segment where we're going to transition into essentially free time. Pick what you want to learn about the most and, and become very good at, and we'll help you do that for the next few hours. Yeah, and so, you know, let's brush on a little bit of the topic that uh, I shot a video on with you uh, yesterday here which is, uh, you know, the, the, the tagline, let's call it, is polishing in the wrong direction, sort of get people's attention. Like, wait a second, I, I, Lowry's polishing in the wrong direction? Yeah, absolutely. It's more of a, a way of thinking about it that it may not be the best um, way to, to do it. And, of course, I'm talking about crosshatch or what I think in my mind as north-south, north-south, east-west, you know, right. up and down, left and right. Um, yeah, I see that more, more, th- more and more. I see that and realize we've got to, preach that starting at the front and traveling down the side of the car front to back and then going up and down from the hood to the floor that's been done for consistency to make sure that you don't miss an area to make sure that um, you know you just cover every area but it doesn't ever fit well it never seems to work well in these newer cars mm-hmm. well, I mean, and it, w- it would work well if if every panel was completely flat sure yeah that's even rare. I don't yeah. even see a car in here that has a flat right. section. Right. So well, there's that Bronco over there that's kind of nothing but flat sections, but that's, yeah, one out of 50. So what we're going to start promoting and teaching and informing about is to find the, the best angle of approach, how to arc the machine to match the curvature of the panel, how to judge the ideal approach angle by watching the pattern laid down by the buffing pad. So as an example, if you happen to have a six-inch pad on a rotary and you put it on the hood of a car and you start to move the machine back and forth and instead of six-inch pattern being laid down, you see three-inch, well, that means that most of the pads or half of the pads not touching. You're probably on a crown or a curve. So you'll learn to just transition your machine and find the, the angle that delivers the flattest, most or, or close to six-inch diameters you can get. You know, as much footprint out of that pad as you can get on the car, and it's given to you visually right there from the product residue. Yep, that's right. If you're right. not paying attention, you're not getting the most out of it. I sort of think of it like we talked <coughs> about in the video as like when you see the commercials or whatever of a guy who's – using the sanding block when they're using the clay to, like, make the car, you know, to... to You're so right. And they're just, like, they've got their eye right down, and they're they're never going back and forth, and you know. No, to make a, a long, swoopy curve, they're using a long, swoopy motion that's yeah. a gen- gentle to the panel and, and helps them curve it properly, and that's just dead on the money. Yeah, I think a lot of people listening, you know, refer to or sort of the, the go-to, the thing that's been in their brain, you know, for I the just think you can't get any better of a, a mental picture of how would they have shaped this panel 
And if you can find that, you're probably very close to having the ideal angle. directionality or angle of the machine. And then after that, we start promoting something that's always been considered the wrong thing to do, which is instead of polishing with your pad flat to the surface, in most cases, we're not flat to the surface. We're adding tilt to remove part of the pad away from the panel, basically taking and using less square inches or less surface of the pad. We're shrinking the pad size. Mm -hmm. And you can do that with certain pads and not with others. Um, if the pad has no suspension or foam or very thin cushioning, it's a little more dangerous to do that because you compress the suspension of the foam fully, and now you've basically got direct drive of that backing plate right through the pad. It could start to scour or scuff. Where, But in our case, with the machines we're using today, the manufacturers are getting pretty good at you know, utilizing optimal s diameter and size and flaring so that their machine works very good with their pad system and they're minimizing dangers when you do that. So I think that because the things that you've been uh, talking about, discussing, sharing knowledge, for the most part are dead on accurate and pe people uh, try them out and they work well, I think that you're becoming an expert of sorts and you're utilizing us who are cutting edge trying to learn we're we're we have privy to the new things coming out that the listeners don't if we say it's a good idea to maybe consider besides cross hatch or up and down north and south left and right whatever you want to call it polishing start using these transitions where if you were shaping the vehicle try to mimic that approach to that panel it, if you if you hear that from us you can be sure that We've tested that, mm -hmm. and we're not going to recommend something that we wouldn't do ourselves and find to be better than the old procedure. Yeah. And same with tilting the machine. Yeah, in the video the video that we shot, I think that one of the coolest parts that we did was you actually used a Sharpie on an old hood, of course, and we showed what uh, a traditional way would be, like the old way, that crosshatch. And then we gave two options as to the direction, and I think people are, it's going to be very impactful to see the direction of the machine. So you did it on camera, and then we actually drew it you know, right. on the... On the paint. And then we're utilizing it today. We're implementing it today with our, san our hand sanding, our machine sanding. There's all kinds of angles of approach that are changed from traditional. There's all kinds of tilting, even with the sanding discs in 3-inch and 6-inch. We're using interface pads that add squishiness. And have we seen any catastrophic failures with some guys that are pretty new at this? Mm. No. No, not at all. So it is, it is an accepted way to do things, and I think... Most of us have been doing this for years. We're just finally identifying, saying, hey, I have to teach you how to do what I'm doing. Let me think about it. And I'm realizing I'm not polishing flat, and I'm very rarely going back and forth and up and down. So That was the aha moment for me when we were in the, when they were in the, in the hotel because it, it's like that's the beginning part of understanding everything. And we're talking about the pressure and the, and the pads and the you know, wet sanding and the whole thing. But like when you said that, it pulled me back, way back to the beginning because, mm -hmm. I mean – if I'm doing crosshatch with all those other techniques, it just seems like it, everything else falls apart if I'm not doing the right technique from the beginning, the right pattern, the right angle. Yeah. I'm so focused on the little details and the minute, oh, put your finger here and all that kind of thing. And then when you said that, I was like, well, wait a second, I'm focused on like the tiniest little minute thing, but I forgot about yeah. the, the yeah. big, pr like I didn't realize that. I, that's why I said we got to shoot a video on it because it sounds not that, doesn't sound that sexy, doesn't sound that interesting, but like, if you're not doing that right, it's kind of like the rest of it yeah, falls it's apart. A it's a big concept, and if I can chime in here, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, Kevin, but I, I think the tilting the pad thing with DA random orbitals, 
it's more effective as an approach with a tall stroke tool or a tool that has some torque behind it. Mm -hmm. But I think with the smaller orbit tools and the ones that don't have as much torque, I think it may not work as effective. Do you agree with that statement? Um, I think you'd get a debate because part of the part of the ideas being bounced around online are that when you tilt these large stroke tools, guys will say, hey, I get pretty good backing plate rotation on hoods and roofs, but every time I do the side of a car, I stall the, the backing plate rotation. It stalls. And, and I've seen this hundreds of times. It's related to procedure. It's related to angle of attack. It's related to what you said, Larry. We try to find how they shape that panel from the get-go and then use that angle of approach, that arc, because I don't have those issues. I, I, I'm no, reading this. I'm not this talking about the angle. I'm talking about the actual tilt. So yeah, even, but even, even then. Even if your pad did stall, here's the point I'm making. With a 21-millimeter Bigfoot, let's say, even if your pad stalled, and let's say it did when you tilted Oh, I see. I see what you mean. you're still doing some work on the paint. There's still motion. Yeah. There's plenty of motion. Yeah. There's plenty of movement of the pad at a high enough rate of speed that it's still accomplishing work and moving yeah. things around that's not loading up the pad as it would with a short stroke machine. But, I mean, let's say take it to the uh, other extreme. Let's say you had an orbital polisher that had 330 seconds um, orbit size. Yeah. And it stalled immediately when you tilt it. Are we still doing anything on the paint? Very little if yeah. there's any foam between the machine yeah. and the face of the back that's the uh, point buffing I'm pad. That's the point I'm right. making. Yeah. Yeah. I think the guys with the, the taller stroke tools, so you've got <coughs> difference between a taller stroke and a, a shorter stroke tool. Uh, you're not going to stall the, the shorter stroke perhaps as easily, so you're thinking you're still getting the cut, and, well, you are. But the taller stroke tool, to Jason's point, just because you're stalling it, that tall stroke still has that movement. So sure. you're, you've got to look at the two tools in kind of two different ways, even though they're essentially the same. There's enough of a difference in that stroke that it alters the behavior of those tools in those extreme situations. And yeah. you're, you're, not, you're not losing as much as you think you might be losing sometimes no. with, with the other tool, and you're also not losing as much as you think you might be losing just necessarily because you're going with a shorter stroke yeah, I just wanted if you've got the torque behind it. There's, there's a lot of different ways to... To shine the that the large stroke yeah. tool does not need the same quantity of random rotation. Yeah, right. It's a different animal. Yeah, yeah. Same, that, that was my result. point right yeah. there because I didn't want the listeners, you know, that have other tools that might have smaller orbits to think, oh, I can do this. And well, Kevin Brown said I can, you know. What's, what what speed from that heaviest cutting that I was doing today on the hood of that uh, suburban? Mm -hmm. Where well was I were, at? My heavy compounding. You were three and a half. Yeah, three and a half. Three and a half. Yeah. And then you had I some pressure behind it, but you were three and a half. I had plenty of pressure yeah. and tilt, and mm -hmm. three and a half was more than enough speed. Mm -hmm. But what happens is guys, depending on the pad they're using or the procedure, they're stalling out backing plate rotation. So what do they do? They increase motor speed. It doesn't help that much. So they pressure, and they're they're just getting frustrated, and all they're doing is heating up pads, and they're deforming their backing plates. It's not the right way to go. So because they're so used to seeing a need for backing plate rotation on the short stroke tools, the first time they get a large stroke tool, it's like, hey, this isn't, what's what's the big deal here? I thought this was going to be a you know, massive stroke throw force, lots of rotation, and they're not used to that. They have to retrain their, their mind to say, oh, I don't need that. I understand that just the orbit itself it, it's, it's doing a lot of doing work. Doing a lot of yeah. work. Uh, it's almost like the, the difference between using a diminishing abrasive compound and a non-diminishing abrasive compound. 
you've still got the abrasive particles in there, but they behave very differently under the same circumstances, and you can't use them exactly the same way and expect to get the exact same result. And we have that, that same kind of differentiation with a tall stroke versus a short stroke tool. They're essentially the same thing, but they're doing it in different ways, and they can be utilized in different ways. Even with the pressure you were putting down, there was hardly any heat introduced to that paint. No. I checked it immediately after you, know, you moved the pad away from an area, and it was barely getting warm. Yeah, and I remember when Jason and I were playing around with the microfiber before it was a system, and we were using an 8-millimeter throw, Meguiar's G100, which is still one of my favorite machines, but we had to have maximum orbits per minute, 6,000, yeah. and I was trying to get 8, 10, 12 rotations of the plate per second, so I'm, I'm rivaling 600 and 700 RPM. Because I needed it for edge speed. I mm -hmm. we were using yeah. a five and a quarter inch disc, and we had a short stroke. We had to rely on rotation to mimic the performance put out by a rotary. So we were getting orbit action, but for the heavy cut to pull out 800,000 grit and testing, we needed that. We rotation. were going for yeah. rotation, yep. but the drawback to that is it's so buzzy, and you have mm. it's so violent on your hands and forearms that after 20 minutes. It, you could tell you yeah, could do permanent damage that way. So you're, you're trying to pull out 800,000 grit. Nobody's going to do that realistically in, no, in, in the real world either. Yeah, but uh, yeah. don't need to do that with the large stroke. Mm -hmm. Drop that, the speed. That was the point of the the video that I did with with Jason in Italy. The beginning of the video is like, why are these large stroke <coughs> machines taking over the world, kind of thing. Yeah. And then I wanted to see like what was going on behind it. So that's what the video is all about. But oh. what you're talking about is yeah. is, is exactly that. Comfort. You drop the speed. You still get the same amount of velocity of the pad. You get comfort, the less temperature buildup on the pad and the vacuum plate in the foam. Everything's better. So let me ask you this. Let me uh, jump over to Stoops here. Uh, my mind sort of just got blown again when we were out here playing on the Suburban with respect to typically, you know, D300 has just been like a workhorse forever mm -hmm. and sure. I, I think it's designed you can talk about why it was designed and sure. how you know production kind of use um and then of course 105 unbelievable fantastic 105 205 105 205 mm -hmm. is kind of like something stuck in my brain but sitting here playing with with kevin brown over here it seems to me that 100 i guess I, if i understand this right is a newer product than d300 yes it is and so yep. he used 100 with a microfiber cutting pad and and cut really really heavy but ended up getting a, a, I, what I think is a better finish than with certainly D three hundred and potentially one hundred five. Right, right. So what? Just like What's another, going on? yeah, just like another monkey <laughs> wrench in my brain that exploded. I'm like, oh my god, yeah. now what do I do? Yeah. So well, yeah. Let, let's go back to the the creation of, of D three hundred and the entire microfiber, the DA microfiber correction system. Okay, which was the the DMC five and the DMF five cutting and finishing microfiber pads, mm -hmm. and then two liquids, D300 correction compound. Which is the pink stuff. Right, and D301 finishing wax, which is the Purple stuff soap. that smells like blueberries, yeah, right? Yeah. Okay, so it wasn't designed to be a high-end concourse-type finishing system. Mm -hmm. You'll notice D300 gives you, like, zero dust. It gives you a real long buffing cycle. The system was designed for really large-volume reconditioning facilities where they need minimal training, because they've got a lot of turnover in personnel, and they need a real fast turnaround to increase the gloss of the cars to clean them up pretty effectively, because um, they're going to auction for the most part. Mm -hmm. right? So it was designed to give you a big lift in finish with very little effort and be very consistent. It wasn't designed to be a super crazy high-end, I'm going to take this Ferrari. So if I had to put it in yeah. one word, a production kind of product. Production compound, absolutely. Yeah, yeah the, okay. whole, the whole system was designed that way. 
Um, and then the jump to 10. So do that same thing that you just did for that for 105 and 205. Yeah, 105 and 100 were designed pretty much as, as general purpose compounds, mm -hmm. okay? Um, to be used with a variety of pads, body shop type environment, fresh paint, design parameters. 100 specifically is targeted at what we call a mid-tier body shop. And for the most part, they're using uh, wool pads on a rotary buffer. They are, generally speaking, more interested in price than total performance. And yet we had a very specific target of performance that we were going after with that product because we essentially wanted to seriously outperform our competition in that segment. Mm -hmm. And that we did. Now, the versatility of these SMAT abrasives and, and everything else that's in 105, 205, 100, 101 is such that when you move that compound to a system that it wasn't developed for, in this case 100, developed for wool pads rotary, we put it on a microfiber pad on a DA, it still has all that inherent cut to it. Uh, and because there are other design parameters of, of user-friendliness with that product, it translates into something that cuts like crazy, like Kevin was doing with a microfiber pad on, and by the way, the Suburban listeners don't know that this thing was washed with a broom, literally. Literally washed with yeah, a broom. Yeah, literally it, it washed was, with a broom, and it bad. looked it. Um, we know this because the guy that drove it told, told us, us Yeah, because he did it. I yeah. washed it with a broom yeah. for you so we could have defects yeah. to work on. Oh, that, that, that was the case? Oh, yeah, he, yeah. No, no. he prepped it for, he prepped for it. NXT. Oh. Yeah, he so prepped those are real, truly off of the floor yeah. onto the car yeah. Yeah. broom marks. But, Sweet. Yeah, but anyways, the, the hmm. 100, um, it, it cut through the defects very quickly, and it left a pretty darn terrific finish on what can be fairly finicky paint. And I think if you look at all else being equal, 100 versus 300, because um, 300 was designed as a production-type product. Mm -hmm. okay? And for whatever reasons, with, with the everything that falls into 100 and the amount of abrasive load that it has, it's going to cut faster, all else being equal, than 300 is. It's not going to be totally dust-free like 300 is, because mm -hmm. it wasn't designed for that. Um, but it also seems, in a lot of cases, to leave a little bit nicer finish than 300 does. That's, a, that's what we noticed when Kevin was, yeah. was, was uh, polishing it, it. It wasn't a huge difference. But you could see it on this finicky paint. On harder paint, you're going to be really hard-pressed to notice any difference in finish between the two. Mm -hmm. The harder the paint, the tighter that, that gap in finish becomes. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. So w when we were doing the NXT, uh, you know, in the middle of the class, I kind of you know, asked the question, you know, and I, I, to be honest with you, I didn't, didn't know the answer. Um, and I felt like you guys going to have to help me out with this one because it's, it's kind of hard for me to repeat it because it was very confusing to me at the time, but I essentially took the front of the Suburban and I wanted to do what we did with Derek Bemis, which is turn it into a Riddler, uh, just having fun and, and playing and practicing. And so I did uh, 2,500 and then I went to 3,000 uh, hand sand and then uh, polished it out with uh, LHR 75, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. A three inch yep. um, with a microfiber cutting pad and 105 and then uh, finished it up with a yellow foam pad and uh, 205. 205, yeah. And it looked horrible. <laughs> 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 well, wait a minute. You're, you're horrible. Oops. I mean. Well, not, not, I'm not trying no. to be like, oh, it didn't look yeah. great. Yeah. And, like, I'm, no, there, there was beyond that. But it, 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 it did. It have, had a DA haze. It had DA yeah. haze. Yeah. So the, I took out all the compact. The, uh, the rest of that stuff was easy. The, the sanding and all that stuff. Fine. But. To get that last little 10% is what makes, I think, a lot of the detailers, regardless of whether you're doing a Ferrari or you're doing Honda Civic, it's kind of the, you want to be able to know that you got the skills to do it, whether you choose to do it or not, based on the level of service that you're doing and the expectation and all those things that we're talking about. You want to know that you have that, you got that yeah. weapon there. You want to use it when you want to use it. So, But I mean, just to frame it properly, you went from like a broom 
Oh, sure. Or bloom scratch sure. to, you know, a little bit of DAA. Uh, the so. point Jason's making is that anyone, a mom who would probably own this with the kids in the car, would think yeah. we were the greatest thing since sliced bread. Yeah, exactly. So, but I wanted to be able to finish it off. So mm-hmm. I couldn't get it quite finished off. And then I said, I raised my hand, and we're giving you all this backstory here because it makes sense. I raised my hand in the class and said, okay, what if I wanted to do this suburban? I mean, the real estate on this is massive. You, you'd have all day. There's no way that I could charge enough money to make it profitable because of the amount of time I was associating with doing that tiny little two by, not even really, really six inch by six inch little area I was partnering around with. Right. So I asked Kevin, so what would you do to try to stay profitable, get this car done? I'm not saying it needs to be a Pebble Beach car, but I mean, come on, let's try to get it so it doesn't have swirl, not swirled, haze haze, haze, haze in it. So talk about what you did because... I kind of was happy slash pissed off because you, okay, <laughs> you just well, you killed me in like <laughs> the first thing. <laughs> it I was fifteen c- minutes, by the way. The re- I timed you okay. from start to finish. I did a uh, uh, six inch by six inch area, which took me half an hour or whatever because I sanded it. You didn't sand, but you did literally half the hood in fifteen minutes with two products. Was it two products? It was just one. It was one. It was one with one product. M- That's M- one hundred. So yeah. I'll try to run through this yes. quickly. First, to the point of M one hundred versus D three hundred. I did a lot of testing with D300, and that was designed to be world-class, best that they've ever made. So there was no time where that was to be looked upon as substandard and that's good enough. It was pushed to the limits just as 105 was, just as 205 was. There are differences, but the biggest thing that happened today, why 100 finished differently than D300, was because I used the 100, and our friend Dan used the D300. So we changed one of the biggest parameters of all, which was the user. The person. The mm-hmm. procedure yeah. was completely different. So I'm not one that's going to say that regardless if you have the same procedure with both liquids, you're going to get a better result with one or the other. Okay? Mm-hmm. There are differences, but you can't get much closer in the line of Meguiar's of D300 and M100 to liquids that were designed, developed basically a few years apart mm-hmm. from each other that can give you a very similar result. I mean, D300 has ingredients that make it slide around and easy to wipe off and, and oh, long cycle yeah, versus M100. Totally different uh, from the outset, but in the end result is, wow, if you didn't know the color difference, yeah, if they were s- both white, good luck figuring out which one is which. Yes. Okay, so anyway, the biggest thing we changed was the procedure because we tra- we changed the guy that was polishing. So what we've been talking about for a couple of years now is residue management, and that is my key to speed. And so when Larry said this is not reasonable, I don't see the way that Speed is in time uh, to get the job done. To Sorry. get the job done. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that can stall speed is residue, especially mm-hmm. because we're using super micro abrasive technology, which are very small particles, and we're using a microfiber disc. And microfiber, once again, as we've talked about before, is very good at grabbing and holding onto things. So what do we get? We take a super micro abrasive particle that's really grabby and grippy, put it on a microfiber disc, and then we shove it against paint, and we turn on a machine that's got tremendous force and throw and speed, and we grind paint away. And then the gr- which, which, by the way, microscopically, the paint you're grinding away is physically larger than sure the the nano size super micro abrasive Say that particles. Again. The, 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 the paint is larger than I know my brain is like pouring <laughs> the out on the paint ground. Paint you're grinding away is physically larger than 
the abrasive sized particle itself. Okay, thus making the residue even more of an issue. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you, can, you yeah. can see that in sanding. You can see it about ice pick and hitting a piece of ice and break a chunk of it off. I mean, it goes on and on. So, so now we've got this microfiber. We've got abrasive attached to it with our compound, and now we're grinding paint away, which is now contamination debris. It's sticking to the microfiber, too. And then it's also attached to the abrasives, which now that's burying the abrasives, it can't, the abrasives can't cut. So it stalls the speed of cut. So your point was in our discussion that what am I supposed to do, have 30 or 40 pads, or am I supposed to clean this thing constantly? So I said, well, let's pretend you don't have the ability to clean or you're in a shop like this and you can't just blow the pad clean and put it over 30 cars. Let's instead switch to three pads. I will use three cutting pads. I'm going to use my first pad as my mow-down pad. So I took my first cutting disc and I primed it with M100. And I said, for the next minute to two minutes, I am just going to mow down the water spots, the oxidized paint. You were moving pretty fast, too. Yeah, a minute or two. I just said, I'm just not even going to look at a defect. I just want to cover this hood as fast as I can in a minute or two to remove most of that debris so that when I actually start going after defects, I don't have a bunch of oxidized paint and debris in the pad stalling the cut. So I did that. So, so we call that the mow down. I like I that. I call that the mow down, and I don't really care about having to clean that pad on every pass. It's the mow down. I'm using a large quantity mm -hmm. of compound to keep it fluid, and I'm just moving. So we, I did my mow down step, stopped, pulled off that disc, set it aside. And, and as far as scratches go, you're getting somewhere between 30 to 50% scratch removal. Oh, no, it definitely looked better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it looked yeah. better. So then I, I was able to see a clearer picture of the scratch damage and the, and the harsher, deeper defects. Pad number two had already primed. So s put that on there and went, went to polishing. And had I implemented two or three additional pads, I would just have to stop and change them. But I just decided, let's do one. And I never did stop and blow it out or run it against microfiber. So it was loaded with paint residue. So it actually added to the time it took to do that half of the hood. But regardless, I was using water spritzing. I, w I would compound a section when it looked like it was starting to get dry. I would mist the panel with water. I would add compound as needed, remember? Mm -hmm. I just keep adding it, water spritzing, and I finished out that half the hood. And did you, I can't remember because we did so much, but did you, you never blew out the second pad and then left it, uh, you didn't put any more product on it? You like, did, did we do that? I never that? blew it out during that, that step. So once I finished most of the compounding and I said, okay, I've done half the hood compounded and we've never cleaned it, stop. I removed it, put the third pad on, and then I started final polishing. And I worked another couple of minutes with that final and polishing. And this is all with 100? This is all with 100 and cutting discs. Yeah. So at the, at the last couple of minutes, I stopped and said, I'm blowing this pad clean. I'm not adding anything to it. I'm blowing this pad clean. Went That's outside, the part that I thought was fascinating. Blew it out clean, came back in, turned on the machine, and what did we see? It started adding more. I mean, I blew it out for 30 seconds or a minute. I blew out a lot of dust and debris and compound, yet when I came back in, it looked like it, I just started laying it down again. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember talking about that. You're like, yeah. look how much is still in the pad after I blew it and out. And so I went ahead and spent another minute or two doing my final passes and stopped, and did it not look I basically mean, wax ready. It, yeah, it, it was it was above ninety percent in my mind. It was ready to go. So then we, so Dan says I'm going to try to mimic that on the other side in the traditional me uh, method. And the bottom line is just to cut to the chase was the biggest difference in Dan's procedure and my procedure wasn't the cleaning, it wasn't the quantity of pr product, it was the pressure. I add pressure. 
I don't mean I add pressure to where I'm denting and buckling the hood, but I first make sure that that cutting disc is planted to the surface of the, of the hood. And then if I want to get extra cut, I just tilt a little bit to the left or right or forward or backward because with a random orbital that has a large stroke, such as the LHR21ES, when you add a little bit of left or right tilt and you angle that pad, as that orbit swings around, it really karate chops or digs in. So I'm getting this motion of just pushing that, that cutting disc right into, into play. And you would think, uh-oh, you're not supposed to do that for finishing. We've always been taught to lift up at the end. Yeah. It's not, the tr it's not the case with microfiber and super microabrasive. It's the last thing you want to do. So let me just recap real here. The two things that typically you would think, and then uh, I know we got uh, a class going on here, two things uh, that have changed. The crosshatch, right? We talked yep. about that. Have, have since there's a better way of doing it. Yep. And uh, the quick analogy is as if you, the guy was building the car out of clay. How would he shape that, right? That's right. The second thing is we are, I think we all have been taught, hey, you want to get a nice, nice, beautiful finish? Just lift up on that pad and just let that thing don't you know don't push down so hard. Right. That's actually there's a better way of doing it, and like you're saying, with microfiber specifically, is to compress. Yeah, compress the fibers so that they're hopefully in tandem. They're side by side. They're equally compressed, and they're dragging at the same rate. Instead of rolling and bouncing right. up. Right. If you lift yeah. up, it starts to bounce and roll, thus leaving yeah. swirls or haze or whatever. Yeah, in the old days with a wool pad, think how thick wool is and how long the strings are. You could just push and push and push and really flatten. There's a lot of cushioning, maybe an inch or two on some pads. So you would bear down or, or tilt to do cut, but then at the end you could lift up and let those strings relax and then maybe they spin and twist and separate from each other. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot more gentle approach. But you do that with microfiber that's very short strand and very grabby and it's it's really dragging and grabbing onto m uh, the abrasives and, and debris. Mm -hmm. If you lift up, they're not moving and rolling and shifting. They're just traveling at the rate of the pad. So if, if it's on there and you lift up, you start scouring with it. Yeah, start slapping the paint with yeah. that thing, yeah. So it's the wrong thing to do. It's super, uh, you know, this information is just unbelievable. We, we're going uh, to wrap up right now, but it's, uh, there's a lot going on, as you can imagine. Uh, you know, we did this podcast right in the middle of a NXT training session, so we got to get these guys uh, working again. But this is the type of conversations and the type of atmosphere you'll be in when you, when you do things like NXT or whatever training you possibly can uh, get your hands on. But this is the type of, if you want to be immersed in this level of, uh, discussion around detailing uh you know this is a great place to be anyways uh to my left again uh buffdaddy.com uh kevin brown uh, you do your plugs here before we go uh, anything you need you can uh, email me or go to the website the email listed there buffdaddy.com yeah Text that's where message, i get my facebook i get my roof uh, rupus rupus and uh, thank rupus. you to rupus all of the larry casilla fans that actually are doing that for me. It's made a huge difference in my business. So thank you, Larry. Oh, and thank no you worries. to all of you out there that hear these podcasts, watch the videos, are fans of Larry. I am as well. And I, and I, I it does not go unnoticed. I very much appreciate it. So yeah, all those machines, all those tools, all those polishers, that, you know, that's you know, Puff Daddy. Hey, I'm going to run and get in my F50 and move. These guys got to. Okay, yeah, go do your yeah, thing. Right. And of course, <laughs> <laughs> you, you may leave now. No, it's been an impact, but not that big. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, What's your name again? <laughs> <laughs> Jason, you look oh. Jason Rose. <laughs> Jason Rose. Um, yeah, I got a new uh, email I'd like I to throw out you. there. Yeah, yeah, Jason R at RupusUSA.com. So Jason R at RupusUSA.com. Yeah. 
Yeah. And uh, so you want to say where you're living now as opposed to where you were Yeah, I moved from Southern California to the Denver area, just north of Denver, um, and I'm loving it. I just love Colorado. Unbelievable. Unbelievable yeah. place. I love it there. Yeah. Uh, anything else you can think to pitch? Come I see us at SEMA if you're listening to this. Oh, yeah. Go see uh, Jason at uh, at SEMA. And then uh, are we allowed to say what I'm doing for you guys or no? Oh, yeah, yeah, because we want to hype that up <laughs> ahead of time, yeah. Let's be real cryptic here. <laughs> <laughs> so we we we're, like, winking at each other trying to figure <laughs> out what can we say, what can we not say. Yeah. No, uh, we've invited um, Larry to come by the, the Rupus booth, um, I think, for our segments, um, you know, during SEMA to come by and have people meet and greet and talk to Larry and – you're going to be signing autographs and stuff like that. So you're kind of b- going to be our celebrity guest. <laughs> you guys lose on that deal, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, we appreciate that. I'm I'm a Larry fan, too, just like Kevin said. That. So uh, I'm excited. It's going to be fun. SEMA is, is quite the uh, quite the event for sure. Yeah, and, and absolutely. Are we bringing you, Stoops, or are you staying home? Oh, I'm, I'm definitely going to be there because oh. I've kind of stepped into a lot of Jason's old role. Uh, with global up, training are you for cleaning up the mess? Yeah, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, honest to gosh, yes, we did clean up a little bit of mess. You had a lot of stuff in that old office that Mike Pennington and I had oh to, yeah, sorry like about the that. Doritos had to in the dispose corner. Of. No, there was. Anyways, um, yeah. So sorry I've taken over that. a lot of Jason's uh, old role, and I'm I'm actually taking over Jason's old office too. As a matter of fact, uh, but yeah, I'll definitely be at SEMA for sure. <laughs> cool. Anything uh, the plug, uh, you know. Yeah, Meguiar's.com. And hey, look at NXT. We're we're running just a small handful of Meguiar's compounds and polishes to get all of this stuff done on a variety of paint surfaces and finicky to hard and uh, a whole bunch of different tools. So we're, we're getting it done by changing up technique with the same liquid like you just described in depth. Um, so don't don't uh, don't think you need too many arrows in your quiver. We can do it with, with a minimal amount. Yeah. No, it's b- very exciting. I appreciate but, uh, you guys. Uh, I'm also a fan, by the way. Don't want to forget that. Oh, yes, yes. I know. You're huge. <laughs> you're, you're, you're huge. I'll, I'll, I'll sign your, your chest later. Yeah. No, please don't. <laughs> please don't. <laughs> really Ew. don't. Ew. <laughs> yeah. Yucky. We just, uh, never mind. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and one last thing from, from my side. I'll be uh, hosting a new show on Autoblog coming out uh, towards the end of the year, 2015. Uh, we have 35 videos, and it's going to be uh, it's going to be pretty exciting. So, I'm not uh, sure too sure what Drive is up to, but uh, I'm working with, uh, like I said, a new group here, and they're going to be two to three minute videos um, on uh, on the basics of of how to do clean cars and polish cars and how to remove dog hair, you know, all these kind of fun topics. So, look out for that. It'll be on Facebook uh, very soon. As always, guys, thanks for listening. Visit me at ammonyc.com if you have any more questions. My email Larry at ammonyc.com. And you know where to find these guys. Hopefully, I will see you soon at SEMA, uh, November third through the sixth is when I'll be there. And I think it's I think it's the second through second the second through the sixth. Second through the sixth, yeah. I'll be there from the third through the sixth. But anyways, if you guys uh, see any of us, Kevin, Jason, or Michael, make sure you come by, say hello, and uh, pick their brain. As always, and guys, thanks for listening. We got to go back to an NXT class here. Yes, yep. we'll see you guys next time. <laughs> <laughs>